Hello, everyone, and happy holidays. Welcome to another edition of Ask Anything presented by Mosher Consulting. I'm your host, Angel Leon, Mosher's Director of Personnel. This week, we're bringing you our end of the year recap episode where Brian, I, I will have him introduce the actual title of the episode because I think it's very funny. So please, Brian, what's this one titled? Well, this is what happens when I'm left unsupervised into my own devices. But the title of this week's episode is Season 2 Highlights, Golden Girls Clips 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> I don't know if you're ozone to my turbo or if I'm turbo to your ozone, but uh, but here we go. <laughs> so yeah, I told you this was going to be fun, everybody. So as Brian mentioned, we're going to bring you a recap. Uh, basically, we're bringing you our top clips for this year. And we have a nice list of clips from the episodes that we've recorded so far this second season. So, I mean, we're going to start off with a bang and we're going to start off actually with episode number one of the season, because that was honestly one of the best episodes I think that we've ever recorded. We had such a great time with Dr. Krista Longton. We talked about inner office communication through improvisation. That was uh, a new topic, I, I have to say. We came out of the gate super hot with, uh, with episode one of season two. One of my favorites that we've ever done too. Based on my background, I've studied and performed improv, not necessarily in the uh, the way that she is applying it, but uh, theatrical and comedic. Uh, so like when I was in college, I, I belonged to a sketch and improv troupe at Ball State University called Absolunacy. After I graduated, I moved to Chicago for a while and I studied at Second City Improv Olympic. And I also studied at the Annoyance Theater, uh, just doing long form improv in Chicago and then moved back to Indianapolis. And so when season two, episode one was, hey, we're going to talk to somebody about uh, applied improvisation. I wasn't sure how I was going to stay quiet during that episode, but I wound up doing a pretty good job and just letting the conversation go. I mean, for everybody that's listening, I would definitely invite you, not just this one, but every every clip that we have, I would definitely invite you to go back and listen to the episode. Applied improvisation in particular is using some of the games and activities that are associated with improv outside of the theater to foster growth, to develop new and flexible mindsets, and to really help folks communicate more effectively in today's sort of volatile and uncertain world and work environment. Trust and credibility are primarily built non-verbally. They're actually not built with words. We have good research to support that. So as a speaker, part of what we encourage our um, presenters to think about, again, when we're talking about sharing complicated information, that it's not just the information itself that helps your audience to get on board with a topic, but it's the way you share that information. Because if a person doesn't believe you, if they don't think you're credible, if they don't trust you, it doesn't matter how good the information is that you're presenting because they don't believe it. And so seeing the delivery of the information as just as important as the quality of the information itself can actually help you accomplish your goals. Bring a brick, not a cathedral. And what that essentially means is that every conversation that you have is an opportunity to build something new with the person with whom you're speaking. Every conversation is about building something new. And if you come with the blueprint for your cathedral, the blueprint for Notre Dame, then that other person's probably coming with the cathedral as well. And you're going to clash, right? You're going to argue because you've already got a plan in your head. But if instead you come with a pile of bricks 
and you try to build something together, you're going to have something that might look even more beautiful than what you originally thought because you're working together in conversation to build that new thing. This one was very special, as was our next one, which takes us to episode two, actually, which uh, for me was a very memorable one, as we spoke with Dan Horwich about networking and having a pay it forward mentality. Uh, Dan also tells us a story about, uh, about his grandfather, which is very moving. And I don't want to spoil it too much if you haven't heard it, um, but please go back if you haven't and listen to Dan talk about that story himself. It's it is an amazing journey uh, that his grandfather went through. And we're talking, I mean, we're talking years and years ago, but. It's a very powerful testament to the power of networking and just the way that he took his family's experience and story from his father, from his grandfather to his father, to him, how this turned into a family business and their dedication to the power of networking. I mean, it's very evident, very clear where it comes from. Uh, and what they've managed to turn that into, considering where it started, it's a really good story. Yeah, it's amazing. And and just to touch a little bit on the pay it forward mentality, if you don't follow Dan on LinkedIn, please do so. Um, he gives uh, pay it forward Fridays. Every Friday, he does uh, posts for individuals that he meets throughout his daily life. And he does a, a pay it forward you know, post every Friday. So try that out. Follow Dan as well. My grandfather wrote letters when he was in Dachau before it became a formal concentration camp. It was a work camp. He went on a letter writing camping. He was networking in the old school sort of way. Mm -hmm. And a gentleman in Chicago responded back to him. And the short story is rescued him, brought him to Chicago, introduced him to my grandmother and the rest is history. Without that kindness of one stranger, I wouldn't exist. My daughters, my brother, my nephews, my mother, none of us would exist. So my perspective on networking is about moving the needle forward for others. It's about changing the trajectory of one's life. You never know when you're going to meet that one person. We call it the power of one. When you go to network, it's about giving. It's not about asking. So a lot of people think that they go to a networking event and they hand out a bunch of business cards and they want to meet 50 people. And that is probably the worst thing you can do. When you go to a networking event, your goal should be to, be to meet two to three people, have really good conversations with them, follow up with them afterwards, whether it's a handwritten note or an email, and start introducing them to folks in your network. You have to go into networking with an attitude of giving, of service. The reality of it is it will come back around, but you shouldn't do it because it comes back around. A lot of folks think about networking as I help you, you help me. That's very transactional. A professional, the way a professional networker looks at it is, I'm going to help out as many people as possible because I'm passionate about helping other people, either helping them get jobs, helping them get that promotion, helping them close a deal. I don't do it because I'm going to get something out of it. I do it because I want to help people. Now, the reality is you're going to get joy out of doing it. Mm -hmm. I call it the trajectory of happiness. It's like planting seeds in a garden and watering it. And how mm -hmm. you, that's the analogy I give. You can plant the seeds, you can meet a lot of people, but how do you get your own professional network, your professional garden to grow? You have to keep watering it. What does that mean? It doesn't mean you call them to sell them, keep calling them to sell them. No, you go out and you keep helping people because now you're building trust. The key to any of this isn't winning minds, it's winning hearts and then winning minds. For our next clip, uh, this one came from our Habitat for Humanity Build uh, episode in which we interviewed uh, Habitat for Humanity personnel and the homeowner of the house that we, Mosher Consulting employees, 
helped build over the summer. It was a very fun episode to record. And I mean, I like to share right now that that house has just been completed and Alicia, the, uh, the homeowner and her family are currently living in it. So congratulations to Alicia and her family. So probably the most common misconception of Habitat is that people, is that we give homes away. Um, we do not give homes away. Our homeowners buy the homes, they pay a mortgage, just like anyone else, but Habitat offers that at the 0% interest. You often hear people say things are a hand up and not a handout, and that is really a great representation of Habitat. All homeowners do financial classes here in Indy. Ours go through the Dave Ramsey program, and then they work on volunteer hours on other Habitat homeowners' homes, and then they do a certain amount on their own home as well. Up next, we also have Jody Berkman, who spoke to us about back to school and gave us some tidbits about giving kids breaks when they're studying from home. I got to say, I went back and listened to a little bit of this, especially about some of the stuff that she talked about, about giving kids a mental break, pulling them out from the iPad and the computer and all of that stuff. Luckily, my seven-year-old son has been going regularly to school, but those days where we have some scheduled e-learning days, so when it's time for those days where he's just basically watching videos and and because there's not there's not live classes anymore they use those days so that the teachers can get uh, training and and basically just just uh, get ready for the next semester so every semester we've done that now and it's been such a great those ideas that jody provided were so great uh they, they worked a lot with my kid yeah, I think they can even apply to adults. If you're working remotely, just taking that time to transition between subject matter, between meetings, like to just taking those brain breaks throughout the day can really help you making sure that you're fresh and ready to come into whatever task is next and you're not still where you were instead of where you are or are supposed to be. Just taking that little break between to transition and come in refreshed to that next task. As it's a really helpful uh, tip and a good approach. I want to emphasize the importance of brain breaks for the students. Um, we spend so much time on the technology, especially during the pandemic, looking at the screens, being in front of that um, device or what have you, whether it be an iPad or Chromebook or whatever device the school gives or provides. Um, making sure you take a brain break stepping away from it, um, just kind of readjusting, taking a breath if that needs, um, like if that means you go outside and take a walk around your house um, or just a quick break into the sunshine. Um, if that means you walk up and down the hallway of your house or just walk through your home, um, but stepping away from that I think is gonna be really huge. Also, there are a lot of different brain break techniques that you can find online. There are YouTube videos that you can Google, um, but anything that gets your brain kind of thinking in a different direction. And so it's not just that one focus of technology, but you actually kind of have like a reset, which is really cool before they go into their next virtual class or what have you, because um, it refreshes them. And even as adults, I think we need that. We get so caught up in like, we have meeting after meeting after meeting, or we're on our laptops our computers all day long. Um, and so to make sure that we take those breaks and have like a, to a time, a moment for our brain to reset itself, that's huge. Those are great, great tips. Um, and speaking of tips, we talked to Jason Lohmiller as well uh, about cybersecurity. Uh, from, and, and basically that topic, it's very relevant in today's world 
because it affects everybody. It affects everything that we do nowadays. It seems to be online, everything from our banking, from our purchasing from a, for a house, purchasing for a vehicle. And so Jason, talk to us a little bit about cybersecurity and, and what, to, what to do, what not to do. So go back and listen to that. That was a very interesting episode as well. Yeah, I thought his approach and the way he described it as, uh, as not wanting to be you know, a person that people rolled their eyes or were like, oh no, when he was walking to, because he didn't want to be like the source of no at yeah. the company. His job, he doesn't feel is to tell people no. It's his job to say yes, and here's how we can do that thing you want to do safely and efficiently. You know, often people would see me coming as a, as a cyber professional and they would kind of roll their eyes and be like, oh no, here's this guy coming to tell me that I can't do my job. Uh, and that's absolutely... Uh, absolutely not the role that I want uh, people to see me and I want them to see me as an enabler that helps them to be able to get done what they need to do, but also to enable the organization to do it in the most safe manner possible. And from Jason, we jumped to our CIO roundtable episodes, which were a lot of fun to listen to because you had a lot of IT leaders from our own backyard here in Indiana with so much knowledge to bring and to share with everybody. So I definitely would invite you to go back and listen to these episodes because they're they're just wonderful. They provide a lot of a lot of insight into not just their own companies, but their leadership styles, the things that they do uh, when they confront an issue. So take a listen to those episodes. They're very good. Yeah, we turned it into a two-parter because there was so much there, and you know, and even choosing something for a best of clips. Those two episodes, especially. Uh, you know, the, talk about an embarrassment of riches. It wasn't, what do I choose? It was, what do I cut? Because yeah. there were so many things that we had flagged. It's like, oh, that's a really good point. Oh, that's a great tip. Like, oh, that story, like there was just so much packed into each of those two episodes that, you know, it's there are a number of cuts, but please recognize that there were so many more. Yeah, so no. If and, you have a chance, definitely check out the full episodes for both of those. Absolutely. Those, those were very, very, uh, they're going to be worth your while. So take, take the time to listen to them, especially if you're again, into leadership and you want to hear the stories of basically four or five seasoned veterans in the IT world, uh, go back and listen to them. I made a decision, you know, several years ago that we're going to hire generalists, even though I may really, really need somebody that can specialize in this tool set. The reality is that six months later, I will not need someone who specializes in that tool set. That's just the reality of our jobs. So when you hire generalists and you encourage them to kind of branch out across the tech stack, um, they, they get excited and it just, it, and all of a sudden something clicks and then it's a, basically you create an environment of learning consistently. Yeah. And when you do that, like that's the best thing they can do. So I, I mean, for me, it's when I, when I talk to employees about, Hey, we're going to go this direction. We're going to modernize. We're going to do these things. There is that trepidation initially of, Oh goodness. Like, do I have the skill set to do that? But you know, Here's the good news. By the very definition of modernization, nobody has the skill set to do it, right? Okay? So let's start there. It's not like we're going to go out and find somebody that has 10 years of experience in, you know, Kafka, because Kafka's not been around necessarily for 10 years, right? So, um, it, it, and, and so for, from my perspective, when we look at it, I always look at it as an opportunity to get people excited about the chance to really advance. You should spend the first 40 years of your life building your career, and then spend the next 40 years of your life building your legacy. As a leader, I see the legacy of me should be the number of career I had a positive impact on. So it is my responsibility to go to each and every people of mine, uh, challenge them to grow, give them an opportunity to grow. In today's world, uh, in today's highly competitive world, when you give them an opportunity to grow and they do grow, they're going to leave. And that is the right thing to do. 
because you can advance them to a certain level and if they have the skills to get beyond that, you should be their number one cheerleader. I think as leaders, um, we have to be vulnerable. And um, the best conversations I've ever had, you know, it's important that um, when you're in the room that you are not the smartest person in the room. And so when I'm on the, um, I'm on the call with my directs, I'm just absolutely humbled um, when I'm in the room with them because these are just really smart people. And the best, uh, the best uh, outcomes that we've ever had, whether we're in adversity or we're, in a, or we're dealing with an issue or an incident, whatever it might be, is when I've just made the comment, I have no idea. Does anybody have any crazy ideas? Uh, uh, I, one of my old boss used to uh, quote, he said, uh, you know, if all we have are facts, we'll go with the facts. All we have of our opinions, we'll go with mine. Um, <laughs> so the, the, uh, the data-driven um, aspect of decision-making, it takes, it takes the, uh, the ambiguity out of the room. So from that, we jump to Moshe's very own resource manager, Michelle Nash, who was talking to us about recruiting in IT. Now with a lot of people, you know, looking to change positions, uh, I think her strategies and recommendations uh, for how to approach an interview, you know, the company that you're interviewing with, you're interviewing the company just as much as the company is interviewing you to help determine if this is indeed a place that you want to work, if this is a job that you want to get. Yeah, today's market is wide open for anybody that wants to take it. And as you were mentioning, when you're interviewing nowadays, it's basically the same thing, uh, or it's actually, it's reversed a little bit more, I would say, in that you're interviewing the company, you're interviewing for your own fit. Um, I think candidates right now, I wouldn't say that they're that they're fully in control, but they're pretty much there um, because people can now, with so many opportunities out there, so many different ways that you can work, whether that's in the office, home, hybrid, there are a lot of opportunities for a lot of people if they're willing to take them. So if you're out there looking for jobs, uh, obviously uh, look at mojoit.com slash careers. Come, come, uh, come see us if you're interested. Um, but no, seriously, if you're in the IT world, Michelle gave you some great tidbits. So please go back to that episode. Make sure to be ready with a list of questions. You want to interview that company as much as they're interviewing you. So the more you know about them in that role, even if you get on LinkedIn and network, go on the uh, company's social media pages, perhaps, just find out as much as you can about their culture and what they're about, you know, to number one, make sure you want to apply for that position with that company and then be able to speak to your specific experience and how it aligns to that role. From Michelle, when it comes to recruiting, we jumped to Melinda, our director of marketing, who spoke to us about truth in marketing and honesty in business. And to be quite frank, that was a very interesting episode to record because there were a lot of little bits of information that Melinda provided about that specific subject that really surprised me. You know, I remember one that peeks out in like a standard 10-minute conversation, your average person lies three times most of the time without even realizing they're doing it. Like it's not an intentional lie. It's just, if you gave them the opportunity to go back and listen to a conversation they had, be like, wait, why did I say, that's not true. Why did I say that? In that episode, we talked a little bit about, hey, maybe I lied to you, in the, you know, in the last five minutes of this conversation. So it's, it's one of those things that you do without realizing it. But then when we're talking about business and promising things and and just business in general, how that affects the relationship between that probable business and that probable client. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's a lot of good information. There's a cost to telling the truth. There's a cost to it. Otherwise, everyone would, would tell the truth all the time. 
it's hard. Like we said, if you do have, you know, there's a product better than yours for a certain client, there's a cost to telling them that they could go and buy that other product and you could lose sales. You could lose, uh, you know, it could hurt your bottom line. You can alienate certain clients. Sometimes just being honest can offend people. You always try to be honest in the right way. You don't mm-hmm. want to be offensive, but but you can alienate people. Some companies pay the price and, and just try to do the right thing, or some people at companies and, and others just tell an easy lie to, to get out of a situation. Um, and of course, we can't forget about our data and analytics folks who continue to record great episodes centered around uh, that topic. And I got to say, I mean, I, I, I'm not normally involved in those, but I do listen to them. And a lot of the stuff does fly over my head, but it's because I'm not necessarily well versed in the data and analytics world, but they do provide a lot of great insight uh, for organizations and for everybody just in general about the data analytics topics and how you can actually take advantage of, of, you know, not just our services here at Mosher, but just take advantage of data and analytics as a whole. The biggest oversight in all data initiatives out there is the fact that we're more concerned about how fast we get the data, putting the platform in, doing all this work, tagging it, securing it, all the stuff. And then guess what? Users don't trust it. A lot of times when people are looking at data and analytics and what we should focus in on, we look straight to that accounting perception. And we're trying to understand from a monetary perspective, how much do I invest or what is this going to cost? What is somebody willing to pay for it? And one of the things that I challenge us to do as leaders within data and analytics space is kind of change our perspective a little bit and that we should be looking at the value in use. And that's the economics perspective that says, how much value can I create from using this commodity, from using this asset? And I really think that that's the key perspective that we need to look at when we're trying to figure out what do we focus on. Now we jump into one of my favorite guests ever, um, and I'm talking about Liesl Mertes, uh, with whom we talked about workplace empathy. Uh, please, once again, I know I've said this three times already. If you haven't, and any of you have, go back and listen to this episode. It was one of the best episodes I can tell you I've been a part of um, in my short podcasting career here (laughs) but it was so the information that she has about workplace empathy which you can honestly just put into practice into any any role of your life doesn't just have to be about workplace but since we're looking at at, since we're doing that episode based on workplace empathy it is such an amazing episode um such an uh, an aha an eye-opening episode so please go back take a listen to it um uh, there's so many tidbits that we could have pulled out of that, of that episode. So um, I think the one Brian chose was very good, but just go back and listen to it. I think you definitely think it's definitely worth your while. Lisa is, is a master. I mean, she's fantastic. It's, it's pretty great that only being our second season of doing this podcast that I, I think we have at least four very solid contenders for the all-time ASCII Anything Hall of Fame. No matter how many seasons we go deep into the future, three if not four of the episodes that we did this year with our guests will be all-time favorites of mine. Yeah, oh, absolutely. The, the guests this year were bringing fire. And Liesl was definitely one of those. That was also one of my favorite episodes. It's just amazing. So go back and listen to that one. It's better to know about things 
when they're at their beginning point and when they're small, when you can be helpful or supportive instead of reaping the whirlwind, you know, four, eight, 12 months down the line. Instead of seeing empathy as a squishy personality trait that some people have and some people don't, leaders need to transition to say, this is an essential leadership capacity that affects my people and my bottom line. Therefore, I'm going to improve in it. And like, that's an important place to start. And if, you know, maybe our conversation will go that way, but there's so much data, like it does affect your profitability and it does affect the tenure, the attraction, the retention of your people. So first it's that formative, like, okay, I'm in, I want to skill up. You don't have to fix people in their sadness or grief. That sidelines people a lot. They think, what can I say to make it better? There's nothing I can say to make it better. So we move away from it. Um, remember that something is better than nothing. You won't be perfect in this. Mm -hmm. Like I get paid to teach it and I am not perfect in it. Um, so be okay with that. Like don't expect perfection. I think we are a lot of fun uh, when it comes to a podcast. I think we have a lot of fun, but we wouldn't, I think our, <laughs> sorry, I think our haunted help desk episode was such such a hoot. It was so much fun to hear from our consultants, tell their stories from their haunted help desk. Um, it was just amazing. I, I, I always think back to Joe's uh, story. That, that story just gets me cracked up every time I listen to it. The lady who had plugged her own power strip into <laughs> itself was a very nice, fun, amusing palate cleanser to follow and clear out the blood-stained laptop that had immediately preceded it. Like, yes. it was, we had a little bit of everything in that episode, uh, like from amusing to downright disturbing. And yes. uh, I mean, th and those are the things that always come up when you're talking with IT professionals, especially help desk folks. If you're hanging out after work at a uh, trade show, anything, the what's the weirdest, funniest, strangest, most disturbing thing you've ever encountered. Those stories always come up and they're across the board entertaining. And also a lot of times will make you feel better about yourself because it's like, okay, I've, I've had some trouble with uh, hardware and software installations, other stuff in the past, but well, it's never been that bad. So I guess I'm doing okay. <laughs> no, I, I seriously, so I've been, I've been dealing with some TV issues here at my house. And one of the first things that I did was actually check that uh, you know, that our multi-plug was not plugged into itself. So uh. this guy came in and he was crazy. I mean, just, just immediately guy walks up to the counter and just slams his laptop down like violently. And is like, fix it. Doesn't give any description. Doesn't say what happened, nothing. And she's like, well, I mean, what's, what's wrong? What can I do? And he just repeats himself, fix it. So she's like, okay. She uh, flips it over to look at the model. There were blood stains on the bottom of the computer. So she's like, well, this is weird. Flips it over, starts to open it up. He's like, don't look at anything on this computer. What are you doing? And I said, well, I'm trying to get this computer working for so-and-so. And, -so. and uh, he just started laughing, crying, laughing, bending over, couldn't stop laughing and i was like what's going on why are you laughing and everything and he's like i'll call you in here in a couple minutes and i'm like okay whatever and i'm continue working with this person on her on their computer and everything and for life of me i cannot figure out why this 
will not turn on and power cords are all plugged in and everything and it just it won't power on and uh finally the other guy gives me a call and he says you're not gonna believe what they did and i said oh god what's what's going on what happened and he goes for they have everything plugged into the power cord and i said okay that sounds right you know and uh they tells me yeah they plugged the power cord into itself we also heard from some of our consultants thanksgiving traditions and this was another fun episode to listen and to record because there's a lot of good traditions in here, starting with uh, Melinda's gingerbread house destroying tradition. That was uh, that was that was yeah. a great tradition. Fully intend to implement that uh, in the future uh, in our household. This year we weren't able to travel uh, because of kids' sports. We got a high schooler now, so we weren't able to make family Thanksgivings like we usually uh, have in the past. In years to come, I am looking forward to introducing the uh, the gingerbread kit, followed by the gingerbread destruction uh, aspect of their of their tradition into our family traditions. That's just it. Just sounds like so much fun. Yes, anywhere from shooting at it to blowing it up to um, attaching it to an aftermarket airbag, like yes. vehicle airbag. Yes, that... which apparently launched it surprisingly high. Okay, it so, still hasn't landed. Yeah, still, it's potential that's a. Uh, yeah, some of the debris that's uh, interfered with some of the experiments on the International <laughs> Space Station may have been Central Indiana gingerbread remnants. <laughs> that's unconfirmed and highly improbable. Let's not forget Tia's. Tia uh, had a good one too about the family just laying on the floor everywhere around the house, just spreading out to take naps. Yeah, don't need don't your need... guest bed. I'm just going to grab some floor. <laughs> I mean, of all the things you could do, right? So maybe laying on the couch. No, no, no. I got this spot right here in the corner. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I took I took a forty minute break um, at the one Thanksgiving that we did make it to this year, and apparently photos of me were taken by my son. Mm. So look forward mm. to checking those out later. Yes. Oh, yes. I, I'm gonna have to send a text to your son. <laughs> in our family, it's been a while since we've been all together, but everybody will stuff their faces and literally all fall asleep on the floor. No one goes to a spare bedroom. There's at least two rooms that all of the family spreads out in and is inhabiting during Thanksgiving. And you will find people in like a corner on the floor, passed out. <laughs> and you have people just sitting on the couch, snoring. And then if you fall asleep first, everybody will take your picture. And we've been fortunate enough that people don't know how to transfer their photos on their phones so a lot of them have been lost we just let them go wild with it and you know we have every type of possible candy to put on it and gumdrops and um, little Hershey bar bricks for the roof tiles and we let them do whatever they want to do we even have like a platform that we put it on they can decorate like the yard of the gingerbread house oh, nice yeah, I get it. Just really interesting. And each kid has like an area they can decorate so they can make it their own. And um, we just let them go crazy with it. But then uh, at the end of the night, one person becomes the guardian of the gingerbread house, somebody from the family, either me or one of my sister-in-laws. And that person has to take it and keep it until Christmas. So then at Christmas, when we get back together, wherever we end up getting together at, we'll bring the gingerbread house back and then we um, destroy it in new and creative ways over Christmas. Just in time for the holiday season, our consultants provided you with some great ideas for this holiday season and maybe for some to come. Uh, there were a lot of 
good items in there from your simple things. We had a live uh, expedition, if you will, onto a charger that we wanted to make sure it actually could charge three devices at the same time, a battery pack, and it, we were successful uh, in doing so. And then we also spoke about different items, like, of course, you know, your gaming consoles, and we ended up with uh, a vehicle, an electric vehicle as well. So a lot of fun to record that episode, a lot of fun to listen to our consultants, what they thought would be the perfect gift uh, this holiday season. From audio to portable chargers to electric vehicles, I mean, if you, whether your budget was uh, $10 or $110,000, yes. we, uh, we, ha we had you covered this year. There were many items that were definitely worth your spend. I mean, we talked about the Oculus 2, yeah, the VR. I mean, that I'm still thinking about getting one of those just for the kids and the holiday season, just as a family present, because uh, it definitely it definitely looks to be a very cool item to have. I saw one over the weekend. There was a display, and they had them, and I, I stood there and stared at it for long enough that I should have it with me, but I, let, I, I did exercise some control and left it there. So. <laughs> good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> That's good. I, I haven't been able to see one in person myself, so I haven't had to exercise that uh, that good judgment, I would say, but yes. <laughs> it may have actually looked like I was part of the display for a while because I was just I was just standing there and staring like, no, no, we don't know. Mm. All right, walk away. Come on. <laughs> yeah, walk away. Don't take your hand out of your pocket. Do you? Keep walking. <laughs> no, Keep walking. Don't... Don't Keep take the walking. wallet out. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. So check check that out. The Black Friday Bonanza episode. That was very fun. And you might, who knows, you might actually find a gift that you can buy your loved one or your children uh, for this holiday season. Size and price across the board. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> we went all in for that for that one. So go back and listen to it. What else can you tell us about this power bank? So first off, I gotta admit. Uh, my wife got this for me and I said it was the worst gift ever. And so I got to give this because I'm definitely eating crow on it. But um, the best part about it has pretty much any attachment you want. If you're on the road and you need to charge your laptop. So I have a Mac. Um, I'm able to charge it on there. And if I forget my iPhone mm -hmm. charger has an iPhone extension and then also has a, a mini USB too. the multiple ways that you can use it is so handy. And then also how to, a lot of these times when you have these battery packs, you got to have an external cord, then have something else to plug it in the mm -hmm. wall. This already has the, the adapter to plug it in the wall. So it makes it so much easier. Thank you for listening in to this week's edition of Ask Anything presented by Mosher Consulting. We hope you enjoyed listening in to our end of year recap episode. Ask Anything will be back for our third season sometime in early 2022. Stay tuned for that and much more. We'd like to thank those of you who have listened in during our second season. We really appreciate your time with us, and we hope that you come back when we return for season three. For producing Brian and Mojo's marketing team, I am Angel Leon. So long, everybody. 